Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction story titled Poppies in October by today's guest fanfiction writer, Tata for now. And how will he begin, again, to fill out his flesh, his face, to heat his slug-slow blood, to trace neat lines between dream and memory and reality, between thought and word and self and world, because there will be world again, beyond the damp cell, beyond the stone walls, beyond the cold black sea, there will be a whole bright world, at least for a moment, and for a moment it will startle, jar his bones, ring like sirens in his ears. He'll get migraines, bright snags in his vision, pricking needles, icy knives behind his right eye, stabbing, always stabbing. He'll dream in vivid technicolor, forgotten moments, scenes from other lives, and they, they will rush will fly, will flock back to him like honking geese until his soft red hair flaps about in his face and his spectacles fog up beneath cleaning and his joints ache and ache under scarred patches of skin as the moon waxes and waxes and waxes. He'll be dizzy with it all, see swarms of stars swimming against the walls of dark caves. He's been a dog for so long. He'll be a cat too now. How many lives down, eh? A few, he'll think. At least a few. The years between serious and serious will bleed out, a crimson gash in the corpus of his lifespan. He'll work and not work, travel and not travel, scrounge, get drunk, get stoned, snort coke, fuck strangers, mostly muggles, men and women, blondes and gingers and brunettes, and sometimes, just sometimes... When he is so, so far gone, he will find young, dark-haired men, men with cheekbones and messy ponytails, men with stubble and leather jackets, men who drink well whiskey and smoke woodbines and ride motorbikes and call him pretty. Oi! Pretty, they'll say. Fancy a ride? They will take him to their grimy flats and spread him like butter across some mattress, sofa, floor and he will close his eyes and whisper, half-slurred, sandpaper rasp in their ears. Hurt me, and oh, oh, how they will. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world, greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. 
Today's guest fan fiction writer is Tata for now. She's been a member of AO3 on this username at least since 2021 and has six fan fictions currently posted there. There's one for Raven Cycle and Dreamer Trilogy and five for the Harry Potter universe. She has a background in women's studies and English literature and just finished her master's degree. Hell yes, and congratulations. Tata for now also loves to read tarot. Tata for now, welcome to the Fanfic Maverick. How you doing? Oh my God. Hi. Hi, Chaos Blue. I'm good. I'm excited. How are you? I'm so, so good. I'm so glad that you're here. And again, congratulations on that master's degree. That is an amazing accomplishment. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's done now. Thank God. Exactly. Was that in English literature as well? It was in English. Yeah, English lit. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, well, I can tell. I can tell. We're going to talk about that when we talk about your writing, but does not surprise me at all. So that's just that's super awesome. I love that. You know, I just have to say this before we move on. Please. One of the most surprising things about fan fiction, I love asking other people what their most surprising thing about fan fiction is. One of my most surprising things over the years has been just how amazing and educated fan fiction writers are, you know, like <laughs> I should have known, right, all these Aww. years reading fan fiction, but it never ceases to amaze me how many writers I've talked to over the years who have been like, yeah, I have this degree and that degree and I just graduated <laughs> from this and that. And I'm like, damn, as a community, we're so awesome. Completely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like, yeah, fan fiction is for everyone, including old, highly educated people. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not just teenagers. And, you know, it's very diverse. It is very diverse. And I love learning about that. That's been one of my greatest joys. Um, so let's go back in history now with your past relationship with fan fiction. I always like to ask, do you remember reading your very first one? And then what was that like? Okay. Yes. And this is so funny because I was thinking about that question and like I have multiple answers I can give you. But like, so the first real, like official, I guess, like online, like fan fiction, fan fiction, like it was posted as fan fiction that I ever read was on mugglenet.com because a friend of mine had posted um, like a link to that on his, this is how old I am, on his AIM Wallenstein Messenger. I am so glad that you remember AIM. I was on that thing every freaking day. No, yes. no lie. Yes. And I was like, oh, what's this thing on your AIM? Like, let me check it out. And it was MuggleNet. And I was like, oh, a site all about Harry Potter. Like, that's cool. And I just clicked around and eventually wound up on their fan fiction section. And it was like this Dramine fan fiction, which that's what they didn't call it that then, but Draco slash Hermione. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. So I was like, oh, this is weird. Is this like, I don't remember this in the books. Like, is this something? <laughs> is this new? <laughs> yeah, you're trying to figure out like, what the fuck all, is this? <laughs> all of a sudden they're like sharing like a head boy girl dormitory and like fucking and I'm like, I've never, huh? Oh, you know, scrolling back like, oh, JK Rowling didn't write this. You know, figuring out what fan fiction was from that. <laughs> But before I also was thinking, before I ever knew kind of what fan fiction like officially sort of was and like the fandom community more broadly, my friends and I were kind of writing it anyways for ourselves, like in our English class, because in sixth grade, 
we read this book, The Outsiders, that we all adored in my friend circle. <laughs> like, I was just a fucking nerd and for fun I wrote basically crack fanfic for my friends like just a bunch of jokes like you know crack gay outsiders fanfic and we like passed it around <laughs> and like some of my friends would like add to it and shit and then later I was like oh actually that was fan fiction too <laughs> it was and it almost sounds like um that almost sounds like round robin fan fiction. Do you remember when that was a huge thing? Oh my gosh, I didn't, I'm aware of it, but I wasn't like on the, I didn't really like see a lot of it when I was in fandom in high school, but like, it's really cool. Yeah, I never participated, but I used to see on like live journal a lot, these round robin fan fiction challenges or something. And I always thought to myself, oh, that's a really neat idea. So it sounds like you were doing round robin outsiders fan fiction. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like 11. That is so funny. So, okay. So you were 11 when you started writing that for yourself. And then uh, maybe a little bit older when you discovered your first piece of fan fiction on MuggleNet. I love that you remember that website because I was all over there, you know, back in the day. Yes, totally. Do you remember like what you were thinking when you realized that this was a thing that people did? Like, did it blow your mind? Were you just like, oh, that's weird? Or did you think it was cool? Or I, yeah, I mean, I thought it was like, obviously, I thought it was interesting because I kept reading it and then started writing it. I was like... At first, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I like these characters now. I can read about them more, you know, without having to wait for the books to come out. And I can read about them in different situations, doing different little things. And uh, I think, you know, intuitively, I was like, oh, yeah, this is probably weird. So I won't tell people I'm doing this. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone that I was like secretly reading fanfic and then writing it but yeah, yeah if you yeah. grew up in the aim era then that was definitely the era when we did not tell people yeah. about our involvement with fan fiction yeah. it was like this secret thing that like you didn't dare tell anybody yeah. else <laughs> exactly yeah it just felt so <laughs> weird i kind of like that nowadays we can be a little more open about it and just admit it and be like hell yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> totally okay i though my partner doesn't know, but like secretly they probably do know because I'm really bad at keeping secrets. And like my partner's fucking nosy and always like looking at my computer screen like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. And I'm like on a discord with other fandom people. And my partner's like, oh, what's going on? Like, can you, you have a discord? Like, I don't know what you have a discord <laughs> for. And I'm like, oh, nothing. I just have like a few friends on discord. And like, just bat my eyelashes when I don't even. <laughs> so they think I'm cheating on them. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, I think <laughs> I think they know, but I'm like, you're gonna have to confront me before I tell you <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> I like to have a little secret from my partner. <laughs> well, and you know that's completely valid because I feel like there are some people that are like, oh yeah, I don't mind telling people and blah blah blah, and that feels good to them. And then there are others that are totally cool, just keeping it to themselves, and that feels better, you know. And that's the thing that I love about fandom the most. I think is like you can do fandom any way that you want. You can be loud about it. You can be kind of secretive about it. You know, like it's all good. 
there's no right or wrong way. <laughs> yeah. I just realized too that I have a friend, a few of my friends in college know, like I told them that I used to write fan fiction. <laughs> and I was just thinking like one of my friends, like years later when I was like in my mid 20s and I had forgotten, I told her that years after I told her that. And she was like, I'd really be into reading your stuff sometime. And I was like, oh, what, what stuff? <laughs> and she met my fan fiction. I was like, LOL, no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't want her to read about Remus and Sirius having sex? Like, you don't want that? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> That's so I funny. Was, <laughs> you can organically find that online. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving you my screen name. Oh my God. That is too, too funny. Yeah. It, it always is amusing to me the different ways that people handle that. You know, I think I would be the same way. I don't write fan fiction publicly right now. I can't imagine. I don't think I would want any of my like real life people to read yeah. any of my stuff Although either. I'm like, impressed. Mm-mm. I'm impressed by people who are like that bold too. Like I I'm not, but like you know more power, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like pretty much whatever feels good to you, you know? Like that's what you should definitely do. Um okay, so I wanted to ask you this real quick because I'll probably I'm sure say lots more about this, but I was so impressed by the quality of your writing like I died I died yesterday I was dead at work thank god it was Easter weekend and there wasn't much to do because I was pretty much just passed out at my task after finishing the story and so it made me wonder as I was reading have you always been writing serious projects like this? Being, you know, obviously it sounds like you were <laughs> writing things in middle school and probably in high school and stuff like that. But I was just kind of wondering, like, what your history with writing looked like, oh, just in general. So, no, that's so sweet. God, I'm so humbled. Um, yeah, I well, I mean, I've just always liked writing and it's always been kind of the thing that, you know, I can do better than all the other things that I'm very bad at. <laughs> so, you know, it's like it's like. When I was like little, I liked to write little stories and stuff. And my dad taught English and, you know, so got me very into reading at a young age. Yeah, God, I I guess that's it. And then in high school, I guess I was writing fan fiction maybe between like the ages of 14 and and 18 before I left fandom. And um, some of those were like serious or like my attempts at being serious I mean you know probably now I'd be like so humiliated by them but like you know at the time some of them I definitely was trying to be serious and aiming for something and uh others that were totally just like crack and like silly you know oh yeah for sure for <laughs> sure that's fun too <laughs> yeah so I, I guess I guess it's just something I've always liked to do. That's so, so cool. Do you feel like most of your writing activity has centered around fan fiction then? Not really. I would say like definitely a good like portion of it, especially in, in high school. And now again, because I've been like posting some fics in the past year or so. I also write poetry. So I've got, you know, maybe like a solid 10 or 11 years when I wasn't doing any fan fiction at all I was just like not in fandom and the only thing I was really writing was aside from like academic stuff like essays and shit was poetry and maybe like one or two original short stories is pretty much it I love that that actually explains so much we'll talk about that later when we talk about your fic 
But um, that no, that's great. That explains so much. I love that. Okay, so speaking of fandom experiences, it sounds like you have some stories to tell there. Um, as far as like kind of what your fandom experiences look like, I sometimes like to ask people about their experiences with fandom, especially their favorite experiences. What do those look like for you? Oh yeah, good. I was like excited about this question because I mean, I would say. I can easily point to my favorite experiences in fandom and like the best example that I can give and you know like other like wonderful things you know kind of similar to this maybe have happened at different times with like people leaving really lovely comments or like you know sharing things about their lives like humbling me in response to my fan fictions but like my dear beloved friends now She's left side down on AS3 and broomsticks on Tumblr, but like literally brought me into fandom again because I posted Poppies in October and that was kind of like a personal pet project thing for me because I was like, I'm obsessed with like this relationship being canon. I have to do this. And then and I posted it and like hardly anyone really read it, honestly. I mean, no one wants to read about character death. And I probably would have just stopped with fandom after that and been like, well, that was, you know, I did what I wanted to do. And like, I settled that for myself in the end. But then she came in and left me this like beautiful, like massive comet, you know, that like made me cry probably. And we started just talking under her comment and eventually it wound up with her like bringing me into Tumblr, like teaching me the Tumblr ways and the fandom ways, because I don't know, like, I didn't know where fandom was anymore, <laughs> you know? I was, I don't know, like, I haven't done this in 10 or 11 years, like, since I was 18, and, like, I don't know where anyone is, and, like, I'll just, AO3 seems to be the site, I'll just post one or two little things there, and, um, but, yeah, she, like, helped me find Tumblr and told me, like, what wolf star people to follow and like you know gave me recs and things and like introduced me to like other people and yeah so shout out to you left side down I love you and then that led to like us joining like a discord server with like a couple other fic writers Bill's Fang Earring on AO3 and then Emblematic on AO3 like you mentioned who you're gonna like interview next week I think but like just it was so it was so nice I've met so many like beautiful people now through fandom and I feel like you know I wouldn't have otherwise I'm so glad that you had such beautiful experiences in fandom I have spoken to many of those people on tumblr the last little while and they're all just amazing beautiful wonderful people so it doesn't surprise me at all that they would just bring you in and show you the robes and be like be one of us you know that's the beautiful thing sometimes about they, like, fandom. They like held my hands and talked, you know what I mean? It's like the first day of kindergarten and I'm like, I'm, I'm shy and I don't know where to sit. And like, maybe I'll just go home. And then they're like, no, no, there's like a space at our table. And like, your dress is so pretty and come sit with us and play. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I love that analogy. That is a really good one, actually, because that's kind of what it's like sometimes, right? Where you're just like, I'm not sure about this, but I feel like people make all the difference with stuff like this. That's the beautiful thing about fandom communities. It really is about the people. Yeah. 
Yeah, completely. I love the people that I've met since joining Fandom. Like, it's so nice. I love that. That is so, so awesome. What about fan fiction in general? Like, when you think about fan fiction as a general concept, what are your favorite things and thoughts about fan fiction? Oh, gosh, it's so hard. I was thinking about this, too, and it's so hard because, like, there's so, mi- there's so many things. Like, uh, there's so many thoughts. Jesus. Okay, one thing I really like, we already talked about the community. So, like, that's probably already we've checked that box. So another thing I really like about it, I was thinking, you know, I love the gift economy of it. I love like the fact that it's almost like a library and anyone can go to AO3 and like read anything for free. Like people are just giving literature for fucking free, which is so wonderful and like, you know, makes stories accessible. And I also love, I guess, kind of on that note, not exactly the same thing, but like, you know, fandom gets <laughs> gets a lot of slag talk for being like porn and for teenage girls being the only people who like engage in it and shit. But like, that's like not true. I mean, first of all, porn's fine. Porn's cool, whatever. But like, it's just like, it's not true. I love that fandom is like so diverse. And also like, I fucking love actually that it's a space that teenagers can like come to and and practice writing you know what I mean and like learn and because like there's not a lot of resources for you know a a kid and like a small town or something who I don't know like wants to be a writer and like I don't know it's like you can like post your shit online anonymously and people will give you feedback and be like this is how this made me feel and like that's so both encouraging and beneficial to young writers so it's like I don't fucking begrudge you know, young writers and fandom. Like, that's, I'm so glad that, you know, that space exists. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I feel like that has been a huge stereotype for fan fiction for decades, right? Where people like to be like, oh, it's so poorly written and it's so dumb and blah, blah, blah. We love pushing back against that and being like, well, just like you said, you know, writers of all levels can come into this space and they can practice for the very first time. Because the barrier for entry is so low. Anyone can do it. All you need is something to write with and some time and a little imagination. And you can, you know, you can practice. And I love that. One of my podcaster friends, Amato, he likes to say that, um, you know, fan fiction is cool because it makes people write who wouldn't otherwise be writing. A lot of people out there don't want to be a writer professionally. That's just not something that they have any interest in doing. But fan fiction is one of those ways where, you know, folks can write and practice and have that experience with it. And it doesn't have to be something done for commercial purposes. Yes. Like people deserve to be able to be creative and like exploratory without it being fucking high stakes or like just for capitalist profit or something like, you know, people deserve to have that. It's in the human psyche to want to tell stories and hear stories and that's something we should all be able to participate in. And it shouldn't be like, well, you have to have a publisher and a copyright in order for, you know, to do something like that if you enjoy it. Yes, preach. Oh, my God. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That storytelling is vital, absolutely vital for the human experience. So thank God that we have this like system here, right, where we can tell each other stories. And I don't know about you, but it's meant a lot to me. 
it's definitely had a huge impact on my life. So <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know what else is like fan fiction, like you said, gets that smack talk and that stereotype of being like badly written or whatever or trashy. But like, I just want to say, bitch, I can walk into any Barnes and Noble and like the same percentage of books in that stupid bookstore are going to be just as badly written as like any fan fiction I could pull up. Like the only difference is that they have professional editors to remove some like grammatical errors. But like, it's not just, you know. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> so mean, but like, I'm sorry. It's, it's tr true like, though. It's true. It's true. I will tell you that the last couple of times I've actually paid for a book, I love to read. I didn't graduate with an English major, but I was an English major for a long time. I switched to history in the middle of it, but I've read a lot and I still do read things outside of fan fiction. But the last couple of times that I've purchased a book for money, I was so disappointed and sad, you know, because I'm reading this thing going like, this is not what I paid $20 for. Like, you know, I could go on to AO3 right now and find something much better than this. Just saying, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, I spent my actual money on this, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love that you point that out, that it's just like walking in, in, into a bookstore. Sometimes you're going to walk into that bookstore and you are going to find the most beautiful novel you've ever read. That's going to happen. Absolutely. But you're also going to get a lot of stuff. That's just, you know, average, exactly. mediocre. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. AO3 is kind of the same thing, you know, like you go in there. Exactly. There's all sorts of stuff available. Is some of it going to be weird? Yeah. Is some of it going to be mediocre? Uh-huh. Is some of it going to be the most beautiful stuff you've ever read in your entire life? Absolutely. Exactly that. Exactly that. Like, it's just the same as, <laughs> as your bookstore. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into poppies in October. Okay, my first question for you, before I start asking the real questions, when did you start writing poppies in October? Oh, okay. Probably, did I post in 2022? Yeah. So probably it would have been like December of 2021 when I started it. Perfect. Okay. So now I kind of want to hear about where the idea and inspiration for this fit came from. And then tell us what it's about. Oh, God, what it's about. I mean, okay, this is like... I love that you ask where the idea and inspiration comes from because it's like there's like not there's like zero original ideas in that thing. Um, the idea comes from canon, but I guess like the idea is it comes from like the inspiration. The inspiration comes from me being fucking obsessed with Remus and Sirius being, being canonically a couple. And when I came back to fandom in like maybe October or something of 2021 and I was like I'm just gonna read a few of these old fics that I used to like and um you know that's like a long funny story <laughs> if we have time later but anyway I was like I'm just gonna read a few fics and and whatever and see if they're the same way that I remember them in my mind and then I just went down a rabbit hole of like reading all these old wolf star fics that I had loved and then also starting to find new ones new being like post 2009 because I'm so old and finding all these new ones that uh you know have been published since I left fandom and 
I just realized at some point that I was like craving, like I just wanted to find, I was so shocked. First of all, I was just shocked that people were still in Harry Potter fandom. I was like, wow, I would have thought this kind of like faded, but it's just got, it's exploded. It's like really big. And then when I realized the fandom was so big, I was shocked that I couldn't find the one thing I wanted to read so badly, which was like, I just want someone, because there are so many old stories that treat Remus and Sirius like a canonical relationship, basically, that sort of take the subtext seriously and are like, this is canon, and go up through maybe like OOTP or something. And I used to love those stories, but I couldn't find anything really that was the same as those, where it sort of treats relationship canonically and like, not just like technically canon or canon compliant, but really like works it into canon where it's like this really makes sense and it makes canon make sense even more. That carried us all the way through Deathly Hallows at, you know what I mean? That like committed. I was like, who is going to commit to the fucking bit that these two people were in fact gay lovers? I was like, I guess it's going to be me because like I need that story to exist because I'm obsessing over it right now. So that so that's why I did that. And there's essays out there, like an old, old ass essay called The Case for RS. If you can find that on the Wayback Machine or something, I can link it to you somewhere. You know, that people were writing before those last two books came out, I guess, about like just all the subtext between Remus and Sirius and like I guess meta, you call it now, like they're meta for like why they believe this relationship is actually canon, but sort of only subtextual. And I just really liked stuff like that. I really liked close reading. And that's part of why I loved that relationship and fell in love with that relationship was because it was like this sense of discovery of feeling like you're seeing something that's in the text, but also sort of beyond the text, you know, that is intended to go over your head or at least maybe to go over like the children's heads <laughs> reading it. And so I was like, wow, you know, I love this. And, and I think that <laughs> they are in a secret gay relationship. And then 10 years later, I was like, well, no one has committed to that <laughs> in a short fic that I can read in one sitting that I can find. So I'm going to do it, basically. Nice. Yeah, because this really was like this exploration when you read it, it feels like canon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, this totally makes sense because you you really just weaved it in to what happened during those times. And so you're going, oh my God, this is so plausible and this feels so normal. Just a normal part of what actually happened. It was gorgeous. Um, you said that examining closer into things is one of the things that you like about exploring this particular pairing, the wolf star pairing. I was wondering if there were any other things that you were exploring with their relationship here in this fic that you wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is part of why I fell in love with like the wolf star relationship, the Remus and Sirius relationship thing and why that's the sort of my OTP or whatever, the, the only, you know, pairing that I really have written very much of is because I loved finding the subtext in the books and reading the subtext and feeling like there's more here behind the words and there's more here, like there's double meanings here and there's like stuff going on kind of like behind the curtain or whatever. 
I guess that's morbid given how serious dies. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I didn't mean that as a, as a pun. Um, but anyways, but I, the other thing, I guess, obviously, that's probably not enough to make me obsessed with a relationship. But I also do like adore both of those characters. I always, Remus Lupin was always like one of my favorite characters in those books. You know, the werewolf lycanthropy thing and like being a fucking pariah and you know his character is like so queer coded and I think JKR won't like admit that or something but like she even she said at some point like oh yeah lycanthropy is like a metaphor for AIDS and I'm like you're gonna say that and then like not admit that he's fucking queer like okay yeah (laughs) the math ain't mathing on that one (laughs) yeah and you know whatever um I I just like it's just so many things about his character are sort of like coded as queer, you know, and like him being a pariah sort of. And, you know, I I think when he like leaves, I can't remember if this is just in the movies because, uh, you know, that director was also very into the secret gay love story. (laughs) What's his name? Who directed POA? Oh, I don't remember. Alfonso something, I think. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. yeah, I've read articles. Apparently, he also supports, he supports the secret gay love story theory, you know, and he told um, David Euless to basically play the character Guy. And there's like a line, and I think maybe it's like slightly different in the books, but in the movies, it's like people won't want someone like me around their children, you know, when he like, leaves Hogwarts or whatever and you know it just always like I don't know that always like got me all the parallels all the like queer parallels and like uh yeah beats my heart up I I love him um and I love Sirius too you know so (laughs) I always love to kind of explore that just a little bit because I feel like you learn a lot about a particular character When you have them paired with specific other characters, you know, I learn different things about characters depending on which pairing is featured in the story and everything. You know, it's always fascinated me, I think, that Remus and Sirius are different people, even without knowing tons about them like I do for some other Harry Potter characters. Like, I know enough to know that these are very different characters. And I just wonder, like... How does that affect them like when they're together, you know, like what do they bring to each other that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere? Yeah, no, that's like a great question. I mean, I've like this was the ship that I was obsessed with for so long and I'm still obsessed with, I guess. It is like a very specific dynamic. You're right. And they're such like different people that they kind of bring each other into relief, you know. Oh, and it's like funny because. You know, my friend who's on the Wolfstar Discord or or whatever, you know, showed me this screenshot of this poll on there that's like, do you identify more with like Remus or Sirius? And like she says she identifies more with Sirius and that's kind of like where she's coming out Wolfstar from. And and it was like, I think it was so many more. It was like 80% or something of like the Wolfstar writer people chose Remus. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if that's just because we're all like nerdy writers (laughs) and we we identify with like a teacher and like, you know, he's kind of or like because Sirius is like a rebel and a a bad boy, you know, maybe maybe none of us are that cool. I'm not sure. But apparently more Wolf Star writers from anecdotal evidence kind of identify with Remus than with Sirius. I don't know. That's so interesting to me. 
But I feel like it does sort of go back to what you were saying earlier about Remus, because he does have, I think, the more interesting backstory. There's tragedy there. And as a writer, ugh, you can do so much with that. And you feel like there's a lot of emotion there. And a lot of writers need that like emotional connection. Yeah, exactly. Not to say that Sirius doesn't also have his like share of tragedy. He does. It's just in a very different way. And he handles it differently, I think. Yes. Yeah, completely. And, you know, Remus is, is more like, because Sirius has like all this childhood trauma, you know, that's sort of implied. It's, it's not really like featured heavily in the stories, but you can figure out his parents were like abusive. Well, then, of course, later there's like Azkaban. <laughs> but like if you're writing like, marauders era thick or whatever it's sort of more like you know he's leaving his parents house and he's going to james's house and you know he gets money from his uncle and he's sort of um there's trauma but it's i feel like it's not as persistent and apparent it's more under the surface and maybe comes out in some of his behavior or his actions you know it's not and with Remus, it's like he's literally turning into a werewolf every month. <laughs> and like you can't ignore it. Um, and he is like, I feel like he's, you know, also canonically like in the books, like just obsessed with like, you know, the fact that he's a werewolf and a pariah. And so it's maybe easier to overlook Sirius's trauma, kind of. Yes. I was just thinking that when you said that, because, um, yes, with Remus, it's absolutely more apparent. It affects every aspect of his life. Whereas with Sirius, yes, it's more, uh, less obvious, you know, especially with his devil may care attitude about things, you know. I don't know. Half the time I feel like he's just trying to convince the world and himself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> right. you know? Completely, yeah, completely. <laughs> it's like all the best like fics that I've ever read and seen, you know, they acknowledge the like, you know, impact of Sirius's family and you can see it and you can see his his trauma coming out and like different behaviors and stuff. But it's it's just a little bit more behind the scenes in canon and Often even in a fic too, it's like the quality of it is a little less sort of like present in his conscious mind all the time, I feel like, you know. Well, you know, I've mentioned this like a couple times already on the show, but I'll say it again. This was gorgeously written. Gorgeous. And one of the things that I really loved, I'm such a sucker for poetry, okay? That's just my thing. And so obviously, like, I enjoyed the bits that you put in here. I think most of these, well, a lot of them at least were Sylvia Plath. Oh, yeah, they're, uh, I think they're all Sylvia Plath. <laughs> yeah, I think in your author stone at the at the bottom, you had mentioned that most, if not all of them, were Sylvia and, oh my God, I love Sylvia Plath, but you chose like the perfect, perfect pieces. And then after I was done reading the whole fic, I was like, okay, I think one of the reasons why I love this fic so much, you know, there's lots of different reasons, but your writing style has this like poetic sound to it. Thank you. God. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so it, it, I felt like the things that, the, you know, the Sylvia Plath pieces you chose were just the perfect lead ins to every single section. And they were just all so poetic. One of the things that was really cool about this story was the fact that you kept going back and forth with different alternating timelines, which really made it very interesting because it's like, oh, now we're here. Oh, now we're here. And I was just wondering, was was that difficult for you to figure out like how you wanted to structure the timeline or did you have any difficulties keeping it straight? I was just wondering what that looked like. No, because my mind is just chaos. 
No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, I don't know. I love this question, though. Thank you, because that was such a fun thing about writing the fix. So now I guess I get to talk about it. But like, it was like really important to me that it was nonlinear. And like one of the best parts about writing it or like, I don't know if it plays all the time or if it always works or whatever, but like my sort of ambition and like what I was like hoping for and thinking in my mind was that if I did it in this specific order, which is not at all linear to the way their lives go or anything like that, but that's something about the sort of cut and paste of like these specific scenes that I had in my mind would maybe create like an emotional arc that was cohesive and that sort of paralleled so that you could see things like in one of the sections where like they kind of, you know, for instance, like are talking again after the prank. And then like in 1981, when they've sort of been kind of separated during like the suspicion of war and then they have this moment where they like come together again and are like oh yeah we're maybe gonna try this again and and then that's right before James and Lily die but yeah I was really hoping for something that would feel more cohesive and sort of like arc like emotionally than maybe the story just feels linearly if you look at canon and you're like okay well so they like went to school together and uh then there was a war and then Sirius was in prison for a million years and then maybe they were together again for a year. If you think that, maybe, I don't know. And then Remus dies too. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's very depressing. <laughs> I am so glad that you took the time to talk about that. Thank you. Because the non-linear nature of this fic did exactly what you were trying to do. I had never considered their story in this context before. I have always kind of read their story in a linear fashion, but having it presented, at least to me, having it presented in this nonlinear way with just different important emotional scenes, that did it for me. Because for the very first time, I understood something that I'd never understood before, just how heartbreaking this was. I had never considered before <laughs> how heartbreaking that was for them to have secrets that they had to keep from each other and what that would have done to their relationship and how it links back to their past, you know? And I'm just like, oh my God, I never thought about it that way before. What? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, that's, that's wonderful. It's thrilling to me. Thank you so much for saying that. Honestly, I don't know what, like the part with like the first war and everything, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to fucking write this because like, I don't know what goes on in a wizarding war. <laughs> like, like what, what happens in a war between wizards? Like, I have no clue. Um, I'm trying my best to make this plausible. But like, then I realized while I was like writing that part that actually this was like nonlinear anyways and like the whole point of writing about the war wasn't like I didn't need to include a bunch of details about like war strategy and and shit that I don't understand anyways I just needed like a few relevant pieces about like where they were in their relationship at that time and like the sort of very basics of like what was going on in the war and then other than that it was mostly a way to like connect back to their memories of like you know earlier times and like memories of like how you know, they got together and et cetera or whatever. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. I feel like details were not necessary 
in this fic whatsoever when it comes to the war. (laughs) Because it was, yeah, it was just kind of not relevant to like what you were trying to accomplish here. So you gave us just enough information to make it relevant to the emotional arcs that you were trying to cover here. And it just was, oh my God. The other thing that I never considered, and I don't know why I never considered this, but like I knew intellectually (laughs) that Sirius goes to Azkaban. I knew that. (laughs) You know? But like I never considered what that would have felt like for Remus. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. They have all of this going back and forth in their relationship, right? They're together sometimes. They lose each other sometimes. Sometimes they're together and it's good. Other times secrets are breaking them apart. And then they have this awful, awful, awful betrayal that happens. And they are literally separated by hundreds of miles. And I'm sure from Remus's perspective, Sirius is never getting out. Yes. What what do you do with that? How heartbreaking is that? That you are sitting there, both of them alone, just thinking like, this is it. I'll never see him again. Exactly. Oh, my God. And that is to go back to like the proof for RS or whatever, you know, that old essay. That is the shit that people would quote from canon, like little tiny things like Remus saying to Harry and Prisoner of Azkaban, well, do you really think anyone deserves the Dementors kiss? You know, and Harry's like, fuck yeah, serious black <laughs> Oh, <And> my Re- <laughs> God. And Remus is like, I don't know, you know, I, I just don't know if like any person deserves that level of punishment or something like that, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah, but then you're like happy to kill Peter Pettigrew later. <laughs> when your husband shows up, you're like, yeah, let's kill him. <laughs> You know, these little like tells and like misgivings and things, you know, that he does in in the book. And, you know, I don't know what J.K.R. fucking meant. I don't care. But like, you know, maybe she meant that to just indicate what a close friendship they had. And but, you know, people certainly read that as like, well, this is this is a person who's very important to Remus, you know. Right. And like he's thinking and acting differently about this person than just in general, right? And like when this person's mentioned, he's like dropping his bookcase and being like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, and things like that. Book. <laughs> exactly. Book bag, whatever. Yes. I just, yeah, I had never considered it really from that emotional context before. And then you made it really clear in your fic just how long it was. Like intellectually, I feel like I knew that somewhere. But this is the first time I had ever considered it. Like, damn, the amount of time that they were separated because of, you know, Sirius being in Azkaban. And then they finally reunite, you know, a little bit or whatever. And Sirius is killed, you know, and it's years later that Remus finally dies. So I know that this is technically considered like character death fic. But to me, it was beautiful, like the way that it ends, you know, because you know that they will never be separated again. (laughs) thank you yeah yeah and you just you want that for them so bad (laughs) so anyway like my point is (laughs) this was such an emotionally rich and powerful fic i was wondering as i was kind of thinking about this story afterwards it made me wonder for you as the writer writing all of this because i just have to tell you there were some parts that were more emotional than others where you are just oh my god like you're dying because It's just so good, you know, and it made me wonder as the writer, 
What was the most emotional part to write for you as the person creating the story? God, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm a sadist, so I love, you know, if someone's like, it made me cry, I'm like, oh my God, that's like the best girl. Like, you know, I got like one or two comments that said that on AM3, and I was like, I'm dying. But I don't know if like any of it was specifically hard for me in terms of like, I can't get through this because it's like too emotional. But I feel like maybe the parts that make, like when I'm writing and like I feel an emotion just from writing, I don't know if it's true or not. But to me, that's like when I'm like, oh, I bet because it's writing's also intellectual and it's emotional too, but it's like you're doing it slowly and you're processing it and you know it's going to happen. So it's like the surprise of like reading something. So like if I feel like an emotion when I like write a sentence or something that I'm like, oh, I hope that people, I hope other people, like, this is the sentence that's going to get them, you know, I fucking hope. But, like, you know, I think the section that I was maybe proudest of in terms of, like, I, I was hoping that it had some emotional resonance is either that third sort of main section, like, when Sirius is just out of Azkaban and then you're reading about, like, Remus's sort of, like, lost years. Like, I was really hoping that that, would have an emotional resonance for the reader and then also like sort of that part during the prank where like serious I think there's a part where like Sirius and James were talking and it's just like this weird little moment but like I remember like feeling sad when I wrote it so I was like I hope everyone else feels sad too I hope this I hope I'm correct and that everyone will feel sad when they read this because I was sad writing it and it was just something like they were having kind of a, a conversation, but it was like they're almost talking past each other or something. It was like James said something like, oh, Evans and Sirius was like, oh, girls, who needs them? Because <laughs> he's fucking, you know, and James is like, oh, thank you for your solidarity. <laughs> and um, then there was something sad he said. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I think Sirius said um, something like something like what? Why? you know, what's so great about her and James is like everything. And I was like, I hope people like it because like, I like love her when I was writing it. I hope that part got someone. Yes, I remember that. And I'm just going like, oh my God. It was moments like that, honestly, that just, because you didn't have to say it. You just put it there on the page and let us ponder that for a second and then be like, oh, oh. that's so good. <laughs> oh, God, thank you. I'm like, I'm oh blushing. My God. I'm literally blushing. Yeah. Oh, th and there were so many moments like that that were just so emotional. So it just kind of made me curious, like, huh, I wonder. I noticed, of course, that you kind of switch back between POVs and stuff. So you do Remus sometimes and then you do Sirius sometimes, which I loved that you did that because it was really cool getting into both of their heads at different times in the nonlinear storytelling. I'm just kind of wondering which parts of the fic were the most satisfying to write for you. Like, was there a specific POV that you preferred over another or, yeah, was there something else that was satisfying to write in this fic? Just I'm so curious about those things. God, I guess in terms of like satisfying. OK, well, OK, first of all, in terms of like POV, I mean, I love writing both their POVs because I love them both differently. I feel like it's a little harder for me sometimes or at least it wasn't this fake. Maybe that's not true. I guess for all fics, some fics I do like only serious POV. But for this one, it was a little hard to do serious POV because so much of his time was like spent in Azkaban or like dead. 
and it wasn't this just wasn't like that thick I didn't want this to become like an thick, not because I I've read those and I love them and they're amazing but that wasn't sort of like the focus of this so I'm like okay how do I how do I get enough serious POV in here so I feel like it's a little more Remus heavy I sort of framed it with like Remus's you know the beginning and the end are like Remus's POV and then also at some point Sirius dies and the rest of the thickest Remus is POV from there as well so in that way, it was, yeah, I guess it was a little, a little easier to write Remus's. And also, I, you know, I do um, maybe just as like a personality-wise, maybe vibe with Remus a little more. So it's just easier to maybe like get inside his head. But I still love writing Sirius's, you know, point of view as well. I think the most satisfying part to write, I don't know if this is related to point of view, but like I think the part that second main part when like they're it's like the prank but also it's October 1981 was the most satisfying because that was where I was like particularly concerned with sort of I guess both like it was satisfying just to like get my head out of the prank out or whatever but also like I really wanted to do like set up specific parallels and I felt very like happy about doing that and creating like a very sort of like I guess again, like cut and paste kind of like emotional arc, even though it's not, even though the narrative is completely nonlinear and back and forth. But yeah. Tell me more about the parallels. I love parallels. It's like, I'm so nerdy with stuff like that. Tell me more about that. What were you thinking there with the parallels? Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. What, what section is <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. So that section is called like day break and I was sort of thinking you know because it's sort of you know all the sections are like midnight sunrise whatever daybreak etc you know so that it mirrored more of like a, a cyclical kind of progression than like a one two three sort of like forward progression and then for for that part that was daybreak I really wanted to give it the feeling like two separate like timelines like one being the prank and then like them sort of reconciling after the prank and then the other being like this sort of final reconciliation or like attempt at reconciliation in 1981 before then James and Millie die and everything obviously goes to hell from there but like I wanted it to have that feeling of like you know that uh, I guess so she's yeah you know that day has like broken kind of you know both like the sort of like ice between them and the like mistrust has kind of like cracked or, or thought or something and like also that the sun like you know is coming in and that I wanted it to emotionally feel as if like the emotional progression of that in that section like was cohesive through both of those timelines you know so that by the end it's like you know, and I, I don't know. Am I making sense? Yeah, it's like the sun finally rising after the dark night of the soul. Because you absolutely gave us this dark night of the soul section where it was like, oh, yes. my God. You know, but yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love that. I love that because that definitely was the emotional feeling of that particular section was like the ice is melted. The sun is coming out. Something is happening here. Which makes it even more tragic that it's like, oh, now he's in Azkaban. Like, sorry, guys. You know, <laughs> sorry. I know. My God. <laughs> but it doesn't make it any less beautiful. Like, we live for those moments. So, so if you had to describe your writing style, 
how would you describe it? I'm so curious to know what you would say about it. And then do you feel like there's anything in particular that influenced your specific style of writing? That's a good question. Uh, it's so hard to know how to describe my own style. Pretentious. I guess I would say like that my styles usually I try to be like pretty readable, like fairly readable and straightforward, but at the same time with maybe some like lyrical pretensions or like you know I'm I very much like sound because I I have always liked poetry and, and read poetry and stuff and sound plays heavily in that so um you know I sort of hear the sentences in my head I guess and like the sound of them kind of matters to me I guess that's it. Ah, I love that. I love the way that you put that lyrical and there's a sound to it. That's exactly what my experience was. I'm such a nerd. Like my brain loves that shit. I can always tell when I've encountered a story like that because I will involuntarily start reading it out loud so that my ear can hear the lyrical sound, right, of the f- sentence. And I'm like, ah, and I have to keep stopping myself because I'm like, if you do that, you're going to be sitting here a thousand years trying to read this out loud, you know, so you need to knock it off. Right. You knock it off. I I kept doing it involuntarily during the whole thing because there were just so many sentences where my brain was just like, I must hear this out loud. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's a perfect way of describing it, actually. Oh, that's so I'm so flattered. Yeah. And I love acting, too, and drama, you know, so I love reading out loud and hearing things read out loud. Yes. It's always kind of fun when you have that audio aspect to it. and You're like, oh, that brings a new layer to this. That's so interesting. I love that stuff. What is the best piece of writing advice that you've ever gotten? So I don't, I've not really like taken a fiction class or like read a lot of specific fiction advice, but I've taken like a couple poetry classes in college, like poetry writing. And so, and I feel like it applies, you know, across genres or whatever, or I hope it does. I don't know. But so I feel like one thing that like, has stuck with me, I guess, to the point that I at least remember it. And it's always very sort of kind of natural and like, you know, um, intuitive to just do at this point. It's not something I like think too, too much about is, you know, poetry teachers always say basically you want to like whenever possible go concrete, not abstract. So, I mean, obviously you're a <laughs> adult and you you know but I guess guess just for anyone who might not you know no shame if you haven't heard of you know abstract nouns or something I don't know but you know it's like abstract words and nouns and concepts like love and justice and freedom peace mercy etc like are very useful as like ideas for thinking and analyzing but they don't really create any emotion and like a reader you know what I mean And so for like poetry, you know, they'll want you to sort of focus on concrete, meaning like specific, like tangible details and to like have that be what you're saying and then have the abstraction be something that the reader can sort of, you know, infer or get from that, you know. So it's like a little bit show don't tell, but it's it's different than that. It's not exactly show don't tell, which sometimes is like misunderstood or misused anyways but it's more like okay like you're describing like I guess this was like a basic example but like two people who 
love each other, you know, and just saying they're in love, you know, isn't maybe super powerful or you don't read that sentence and feel like, oh yeah, I've been like punched in the gut, um, like they're in love, but it's efficient, you know, if you need efficiency, but like, you know, writing about a very concrete, specific, tangible thing that shows how they're in love can be much more powerful, you know, for the reader, if that makes sense. It does. Okay. I love that. I love that. I've never heard that writing advice before. Thank you for telling us about that because, yeah, my mind is like swimming right now with how cool that is, actually. You know what that reminds me of? No way. As you were talking, you know, the difference between abstract ideas and the concrete, and you were talking about two people in love, right? And you could say they were in love, right? We'll understand what you're trying to say, but you're right. It's not like as effective, right? And it all of a sudden reminded me of this one line from this story. And I apologize. I don't remember the author of this novel, but have you ever read The History of Love? Did you ever read that? Oh, God, I haven't, but I've heard of it. I have definitely heard of it. Nicole Krauss, that's it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. There's this line in that novel that I've always loved. And I think it goes something like, her laughter was a question that he would spend his whole life trying to answer. You always got the sense in that novel that he loved her. And that's how you know, right? Like little stuff like that, where you're just like, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Just like the specific little details, like, you know, kind of hit you harder, I feel like usually. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. That's perfect. So before I ask you about the shout outs you want to do on the podcast, I have one more wacky, wacky question for you. I apologize to everybody who's about to listen to this question. But um, if you could keep any fictional character in your pocket, like a nano pet, and talk to them whenever you wanted, who would it be? I adore this question. I mean, I feel like it's the answer is obvious because I've just been... um waxing poetic about how obsessed I was with Remus Lupin as a child reading the Harry Potter books but obviously (laughs) obviously (laughs) you want your little uh, your own little pocket Remus like I do I do and I hope that he would transform on the full moon and like ravage the inside of my pocket Yes, that would be so fantastic. And then, you know, you could pull them out whenever you want and ask questions when you're writing a new story and be like, what would you do in this situation, buddy? How do you feel about this? And he could answer you, you know? Yeah, I'd give him tea and like a little china cup and he would like lean over, you know, and like drink out of it like a little dog, like (laughs) oh my god i love it i love it no completely that would be it would have to be remus (laughs) no no other answer for that i think of course of course no and no other answer needed that is perfect it's been on my mind lately just because of recent discussions with the concept of ai Oh, my God. You know, obviously, AI is like a big topic these days as it's being developed and as new things keep coming up. And I agree that it's something that should be approached with caution. Right. And we have already seen encroachments with AI come up in fandom spaces and stuff, which we're not going to talk about. But 
There are really interesting things that we can do with AI, too. I know that there are some programs out there that utilize AI to allow people to create their own characters that they can talk to. Oh, my God. They're very programmable, you know, so you can program Uh them to be whoever you want. And so in a sense, with AI... It almost is possible to keep a fictional character in your proverbial (laughs) pocket like a nano pet. So it just, you know, when I realized that that was a possibility, I was like, oh, I need to start asking this question because I think it's so interesting what people would say. But (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful. That's so funny. And like, it's definitely now I'm going to have to go look into AI and like make Remus my AI girlfriend chatbot. That's so funny. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, I see like ads on my Instagram that's like are you lonely? Here's your new AI girlfriend. (laughs) 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 And it's like I know it's so funny. Yeah, it's just I'm fascinated. I'm like concerned and fascinated at the same time when I think about AI because yeah, there's a lot you can do with it, but I know, you know, right? <laughs> we've all seen Terminator at this point, hopefully. So, you know, approach with caution, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, we are coming up to the end here. Did you have any other fan fiction writers that you wanted to shout out on the podcast today? Oh, my gosh. Of course, all of my beloved fic writers on my Discord server, um... Bill's Fang Earring, who has written some Wolfstar recently. Billy! Yeah, Billy. She's like a historian, a fan of historian, and also has written some Wolfstar. It's Meloto and Left Side Down, uh, who's written so much like amazing rare pair stuff and brought me into fandom. And Emblematic, who writes Wolfstar, who you're going to get to talk about. I just adore all of them. You know, and if anyone, like, you know, is interested in my... <laughs> my taste and fic or whatever i have some reckless of wolf star fic on tumblr because i would probably be stupid if i just listed out every other offer that i every other writer that i love but you know most of the writers that i really love in the fandom are represented on those uh those reckless of things like that oh perfect okay well you know what we can do is we can um on the show notes for this episode, we can link to the rec list that you have. And then we can, of course, link to the specific authors you already mentioned so people can check them out, obviously, because, uh, you know, we love folks all over the place, especially with certain fandoms. I know that the Harry Potter folks in various uh, places have just been amazing to me. I love y'all. Thank oh my you. Gosh. <laughs> we love you. I'm like I'm like developing parasocial relationships with all these snarry people. Like I love you. I love you guys. You're so cool. It's like it sucks that like I never <laughs> read snarry. Yeah, because this the snarry community is uh, full of like cool people. <laughs> You're really the best. Building bridges all over the place here, guys. That's totally. awesome. <laughs> Completely. Ta-ta for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was an awesome conversation. Oh my God. Thank you, Chaos Blue. I had so much fun. Seriously, it was lovely. Um, And I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you. Of course. It was my pleasure. 
Check out her stories, folks, on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at Fanfic Maverick Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at Fanfic Maverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.